Hello everyone, my name is Aaron Brown. I am a senior at Randolph College with a major in history and a minor in music. Something about me that my goal in life is to pursue a career in archaeology in the near future. I also enjoy learning a lot about the world in ancient times, which is why I believe that being an archaeologist would be a career to follow. I'm here to introduce everyone to a book that I recently read called To Stand and Fight, The Struggle for Civil Rights in Post-War New York City by Martha Biondi. Martha Biondi is a very interesting woman. Her work as an African-American studies professor allowed her to be involved with the issues that were faced by African-Americans. She wrote this book that she published in 2003, explaining in more detail the types of hardships that African-Americans in the North had struggled to overcome and create a more equal society. After this book, I understood that black people in the South as well as the North were both facing the same difficulties as each other. The setting of this book took place in New York City around the mid-1950s, 10 years prior to the Civil Rights Movement. There were no interviews or anything like that in the book, so the book came as a secondary source, meaning that the author Biondi had her own theory on the matter. Her prediction was that the event of Rosa Parks' Montgomery bus boycott was not where the suffrage movement had begun. She believed that it all began 10 years before in New York City when black political groups stood and raised to face issues such as police brutality, fair housing, and equal labor laws. Now, something I found interesting in this book was the whole idea of seeing how the North has some of the same issues as the South did. As a kid in middle school, I learned about racial differences for all folks on the South. As for the North, we learned that it was like a safe place for blacks, even though the law still limited African Americans to do some things such as having fair labor. One major, one major issue that happened in the both North and the South was the lynching of African Americans on both sides. From the book, it states that from 1947 into the early 1950s, it had at least 46 unarmed blacks and two whites were beaten and lynched by the police in the state of New York. Furthering my research on the matter, I discovered that in the North, the lynching of African Americans was a solution for political reasons, not as much as a racial issue had the South had. This is all tied up to a huge rise in the black population by 62%. Now, as a black New Yorker, there was a high expectation of higher income, pride, and the right to work anywhere they would like. Reading more about the matter, blacks have had enough of the lynching and police brutality, so they brought up their complaints to the NWACP. Blacks have also told their stories on the air of radios and in newspapers so that somehow someone would listen and try to work on the matter. And so, after so many complaints were brought up and heard by the huge African-American population, the movement for any anti-lynching laws took place in 1946. Bringing up again how blacks in the South and the North had limited terrain of what they could do on both sides, racial segregation as such as huge of a pro- was such a huge problem in the North. For example, the reading of the fourth chapter, Desegregating the Metropolis, I've learned of an African-American folk singer, Hoodie Ledbetter, who found himself in the middle of how many whites could treat a black person so differently. The author goes on to talk about how he faced such problems on the street of New York City. For example, in 1946, Mr. Ledbetter had a 
attended a tavern with three white professors after the reform at the Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville. As of arriving there, they refused any service in the tavern due to Ledbetter being a black man. Putting out how the author wrote it, the manager had told them that they did not serve the N-word. Typically, I was puzzled by the idea of someone being told that they were not served only because of what they are. But it wasn't over for him. He experienced the same treatment where he traveled on a train heading into the city. It was there that a white train conductor approached Mr. Ledbetter and his friends and simply asked him, Where is the N-word's ticket? The same thing happened yet again when he approached the ta- a taxi cab. The driver slammed the door on his face and immediately gave the same response. How is that one person can experience such heartache three times on the same day? It's unbearable. That's what it is. And it wasn't just him that faced those struggles. Any black New Yorker could be denied anything. A bus ride to work, serving for eating in a restaurant, anything's possible, anything's possible was to make sure the blacks and whites were separated. It became clear that enough was enough. After the Second World War, black New Yorkers fought for civil rights as a tooth and nail for citywide desegregation. Slowly but surely, African Americans were getting ground towards an equalized New York City. But of course, there was some type of resistance that was standing in the way. Though the movement was going at great success, many who stood against the idea of equalizing places in the city came with brute force. Many protesters were beaten and thrown in jail. To me, I felt that it was to show that the fear that they meant business. Those who wanted things to be equal first shot out that something like that could happen. They knew that they couldn't fight back. To me, that shows signs of being a bigger person in the matter. They did not need to sort of violence to get what they want. They wanted everything to be resolved peacefully so that no one would be in a hurt or dead. Heading back into what everyone, including Beth, which they all had, an equal paying job. In our time now, we still face unequal pay, but as bad as we did in the 50s. Sorry, but not as bad as we did in the 50s. Labor had reached an increase in wages, medical coverage, and pensions. But this wasn't the case for any color person. Even though these new labors, labor laws were forged, there was no certainty that everyone would get a fair share of it. African Americans had, had to struggle to even find a job. Not only that, blacks had no chance of getting skilled jobs because of how poorly they were educated. There was even a, it was like they had no chance at all. Nonetheless, there was a group of people described in the book called the Natural National Negro Labor Council, or the W, double N L C. This group stood for racial justice and equal equality in the workplace. Though they were a young group, this their purpose was not a wasted one. They wished that the workplace would have anti-racist civil rights conscience. It was something that I felt needed to be done, although I didn't quite understand why the group had black people in the group. There were to be any equality, there would have to be something that people of different races can work under the same roof. As we all know, the issues of labor laws have discriminated towards blacks with such a national level that it was also a state issue. Both Southern and Northern African Americans were both facing the same problem and both fought for equal rights. It wasn't until 1964 that the civil rights law was passed and ended all 
illegal segregation in the South. And finally, in 1965, when it came past on a national level. So much has happened on both sides of the U.S. This can be looked at as being one as inspiration for the other. I really enjoyed the information that this book has given me. I could tell the author had put a lot of work into proving her theory. I'd like to thank everyone who listened to the story of the Civil Rights Act in the North. Who said that there could be more to the story that meets the eye? I think that the others should be up on this book. But before reading this book, I had thought that the South had issues with racial inequality and the North was a safe haven for those of color. Not only that, the thoughts of having two different civil rights movements in two different times is simply an eager delight to learn about.